0: Welcome guys and gals to the Man Talks Podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is an incredible guest and relationship expert, Brian Reeves. He is the founder of BrianReeves.com. Uh, And has written some pretty incredible books. He has a master's degree in human relations, uh, organizational dynamics from the University of Oklahoma. So that's all about human relationships and obviously social hierarchies within organizations and has been a regular contributor to the Good Man Project, Elephant Journal, Raw Attraction Magazine, Sexy Conscious Awake meet mindful, and so many others. Uh, He's been profiled as a leading relationship expert by datingadvice.com and a quote-unquote badass man by New York Minute Meg. He's got two books, The Sex, Flirting, Dating, Hunting, and Hoping Diet, and Tell the Truth, Let the Peace Fall Where It May. Uh, He is a thriving life and relationship coach who really helps people to create an exquisite life and relationship experience. And so today is all about relationships. And Brian and I really are on the same page, so we dive into, you know, what blocks us as men from really having the type of Uh, relationship that we're ultimately seeking. And so we talk about some of the blocks. We talk about the three stages of relationships, which is really incredible, uh, and some of the hurdles that you might expect or face along the way. Uh, Brian shares some of his personal experience, some experience from working with literally hundreds and potentially thousands of clients. Uh, And we take a little bit of a deep dive on how to develop a deeper sense of intimacy with your partner. So this is a really incredible podcast specifically around relationships, but we also talk about boundaries and how to set boundaries, how to know where your boundaries are, what they are, what's going to help serve you the best and serve your relationship the best. So, Uh, Incredible, incredible episode. Uh, I just want to remind all the guys to head on over to Facebook and join the Man Talks community. We've got some amazing conversations in there. Uh, Brian's actually a a member of the Man Talks community. And so we dive into relationships. We dive into entrepreneurship, mindset, finding purpose. We, We really talk about all of those things. And it's a free resource for you to meet some incredible men from around the world. So I hope you go over and join that. And just a quick reminder, don't forget to man it Forward, share this podcast, even if it's just with one person. Mount it forward with one person. Maybe that person is your partner, maybe it's a friend who needs to hear this, but share the podcast because it goes a long way in getting this uh podcast into the ears and onto the phones of other people. So without any further delay, please welcome Brian Reeves.
1: I am so excited to be here, man. Been listening to, to your podcast for a while now. So
0: Awesome, brother. Well, thanks for
1: joining me because I, I've, you know, I've watched your
0: work. I've, I've seen you talk about relationships, and as somebody who's, you know, I'm, I'm engaged to a, a marriage and family therapist, so I hear a lot about relationships, and I really, I, I respect, I have a lot of respect for you and your perspective, and so I'm, I'm excited to
1: dive into this. Yeah, it's funny, you and I. That's another thing we have in common. <laughs> I also am engaged to a marriage and family therapist.
0: So you can 't get away with shit, can you right? like when you date a therapist
1: you know it's funny. I listened to your podcast with Vienna, and um my 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 fiance follows her I think on instagram she 's a big fan of vienna's and 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 you said that i can 't get away with anything, <laughs> and I was like, yep i can 't get away with anything either but but we want it that way. We actually don 't want to be able to get away with the things that we think we want to be able to get away with
0: it 's true it 's true because I think that most men think that they want to get away with things yeah. and then they get into a relationship where they can get away with everything and they're just fucking miserable. They're like, That's right. they're like, wait, what happened? I thought yeah. I wanted this and now I have the quote unquote <laughs> ultimate freedom and I'm absolutely okay. miserable because yeah. nobody's holding me accountable to my shit. That's right. Yeah. But I digress. We'll dive more into that in yeah. a second. That's, that's an haven't.
1: interesting point. We'll probably hit on that.
0: We so. will. We will. But I got to ask the question because when, if yeah. I don't, my listeners reach out to me and they're like, hey, you didn't ask the question. Okay. So good. are you ready? It's good. They keep you accountable. You got that's challenging right. listeners too. I like it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, accountability is part of our brand. But um, okay, cool. So tell us, tell me a story yeah. about a defining moment that made you who you are today.
1: <sighs> um. Yeah, so many to choose from over the years, um, but I'm going to just go back a year and a half ago when I was about six months into my current relationship with my fiance. And she had been saying something to me in those first maybe four or five months. After about four or five months, she started saying to me, you know, Brian, you, you, you're kind of like a, a single man who who's in a relationship with me. And I kept not understanding what the hell she was talking about. What do you mean? Because I was proclaiming to the world, like, this is the woman. I love this woman. I'm you know, i very boundaryed with other women. I, I, I don't cross those boundaries. I'm very honoring the, the relationship. But she would say that to me a few times. You're, you're kind of like a single man who wants to be in relationship or who's in relationship with me. And again, I just didn't understand what she's talking about. And then she broke up with me hmm. six months into the relationship. And there were a lot of other things happening, but Here's what happened during those three weeks and why this was so defining. And I say three weeks because we were actually only apart for three weeks. But during those three weeks, when this extraordinary woman I felt like I had I, I'd waited a lifetime for, when, when she ended the relationship, those three weeks, I – so I had – at the time, you know, I was having a lot of success. My My blogs were – we're doing really well, blowing up around the world. I had people writing into me, you know, admiring my work. My coaching practice was full and thriving. Like life was working. All of the things were in place. And then all of a sudden this woman left my life and I started, and I'll never forget the day that, 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 that happened. I I was in this giant, in this convention center, I was talking in, uh, in Philadelphia and I was in this big convention center at the end of the day. And I was even talking about love. I was at a spot conference talking about how to do business you know, from a mindset of love. And here I am, my partner just left me. Mm. <laughs> and I was in these cavernous hallways in the convention center. And I remember feeling like the emptiness of life. It was so empty. Everything lost its meaning. Everything that I thought was so important lost meaning for me when this woman decided to take herself out of my life and for the next few weeks i mean i i i walked around in in, in the space the psychological space within which men kill themselves mm. because i had i had it all and it didn't fucking matter it was meaningless and that's when i came to understand also what she meant when she said you're like a single man who wants to be in a relationship what what she was pointing at that I didn't understand. And this is something that I actually work with when I work with couples, this evolution of intimacy was I was very firmly rooted in my independence, Mm. you know, masculine freedom. I'm my own man. I make my own decisions. I call my own shots. I've been single for six years before, and I was still doing things. I was, you know, as a writer, I was writing things without really concern for how they might affect her. For example, you know, I was, I was just, making decisions on where to live, like everything. I was just cho- make, choosing without really involving her in the choosing. So despite proclaiming to the world that like, this is the woman, I'm in love with this woman, I met my lady and all that, I was still acting in the relationship as though there was just, you know, there was two separate people, me and, and you know, an I and a you. It's the second stage of, of intimacy. There's I and there's you. The first stage, there's just I. But what I hadn't made the the breakthrough to yet what I hadn't evolved into yet, which she was calling me into, but I was resisting. So I just didn't know was the third stage, the 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 we stage of relationship. There's a we that deserves care that that needs care and feeding and 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 and, and tending to, and I wasn't doing that at all. And in those three weeks of being apart, you know, the I experience just kind of shattered. Cause it just, I had it all, and it was meaningless, and I felt I was fucking miserable, man. It was mm. painful, and we had an opportunity to speak a few weeks later, and she felt my just shattering open, and and the we consciousness that was so there in our conversation that, you know, she swooned, and and we we got quickly back together, and you know that was a really a defining moment. Even just it was only you know not even almost two years ago, barely two years ago. Mm you know, changed everything for me.
0: I mean, it's, it's interesting because I see, I mean, obviously I work a lot with men one-on-one in groups and, Mm -hmm. and with, uh, with the strong, powerful women that are on the other side of them Mm -hmm. or trying to find them. And it's really interesting because what I see a lot of guys struggle with is either this resistance to step into that because Mm -hmm. they're scared to lose themselves or, they're searching for a relationship so badly because they want to avoid the individuality of mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. And so it's almost like, oh, there's this freedom in relationships that I can go find. I can be this like, really nice guy and I can have this validation, You know, this, like, this person that becomes a validator for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to do that for myself and I don't have to find this sort of internal sense of confidence and strength because somebody else will do it for me. Mm -hmm. And so those are, those are two, like two, like the biggest things that I, I really see with men struggling with today, especially in relationships. It sounds like you were in the first real dynamic that you had to crush through of, of letting go of that, of that space. So how does one, and maybe we can unpack this a little bit, but how do we start to find our own sense of resemblance Within our relationship, and still have it be about us, and not lose our independence, not lose our identity. Because I hear a lot of men. It's interesting. Just recently, just on the last point here, in a a performance mastermind that I just led recently, one of the guys said, "I find that when my relationship is working, my business and everything else Mm. falls into place." He's Mm -hmm. like, "If that's taken care of, not not that I'm living for it, but when that's taken care of." Everything else seems to work so yeah. much better. Yeah, And so, again, circling back to this, how do we start to find our, our own sense of self-care and individual strength and individuality within the space of a relationship where we can still show up and, and feel loved and, and, and a healthy dynamic?
1: Yeah. How long is this podcast?
0: <laughs> I know, right? I know. We have, yeah.
1: a, we have a week, right? So your yeah. listeners are They're <laughs> dedicated, right? You all have time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a full, it's a full, we're going to be on here until we figure this shit out. It might be
1: six oh, hours. I don't man. know. Six years. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'm afraid to lose myself. I'm afraid I'm going to lose myself. Yeah, that, that's something that I, I hear expressed a lot. Uh, I think every but man and woman has, an, 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 or, or even couples that have been together a long time, I'll hear, I have lost myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I am anymore. Right. And I want to come back to these three stages of relationship because th- these are these are very relevant in this in this in this exploration, because, you know, the first stage, it's all about me. I and and in, in, in the sense that you don't even exist except as to how you please or upset me. Mm. Right. It's like even, you know, the, the classic narcissistic dynamic is there's a hero and there's a zero. But the thing that people don't get is in both of those both sides of that's a spectrum of narcissism because even the zero in a sense is, is narcissistic in that i'm going to shut up i'm not going to speak my truth i'm not going to really be honest with myself it's like the nice guy syndrome too the same kind of thing i'm not going to tell the truth because i'm afraid of upsetting you or not getting what i want from you or you leaving me or you not liking me notice how all of that is still about me mm-hmm. actually right and that's the first stage of 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 intimacy and we're all we all start off life that way as babies. I mean, we're literally dependent on a caretaker for survival. We'll die, you know, for the first 10 years of our life. If someone doesn't feed us, care for us, touch us, we, we, we die. Right. But then we take that into our adult relationships and we kind of play out that same, like our nervous systems are tuned to if, you know, I need to be something specific in order to get what I need from you. Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's almost like I joked around with one of my clients the other day and he, he came in and sat down and we were, we were chatting. He said, I feel like, I feel like I just haven't grown up. And I was like, yeah, you you know, you, you, maybe you don't like, you know, where is the, where is the little you? It's like the, this like Peter Pan thing that we have to go through that we're resisting this sort of transformation or this growth into actually feeling like a man. And it's not that the kid in us ever goes away. You know, I think that's the, that's the false perception that we have. It's like the little boy in us that like scared little boy is just going to like magically disappear. Yeah. But then where would he go? Where would he go? Right. He only has one place to go and it's within us. And so.
1: Well, and that scared little boy, he's, he's also our little playful little boy. Mm -hmm. He's the one that laughs easily. He's the one that can, you know, just play with the ball for hours and be content. He's the one that just doesn't need to produce anything. Yeah. We don't want to lose
0: that guy. No, exactly. We, if anything, we need to embrace that, and it yeah. sounds like what you're talking about in in some ways. in, in this first phase, is actually uh, is actually embracing that, you know, and not and not yeah. avoiding it, but actually really taking it in and, and caring for for that first for that first space. And so, how do we move from there to the second phase well, well, in, in here, that space? And,
1: well, and here's what I want to really challenge people too: as you're listening to this. That actually, the, the fear of losing yourself in relationship, I would actually challenge you to consider that it's actually through relationship that we find our true selves. Mm. That we f- it's through relationship that we find out who we really are. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy, you know, when we're not being held accountable to an intimate partner where we're not having that mirror held up by another human being at such an intimate space. We actually don't know who the hell we are. We're just, we're just our, our whims and our fancies and our, you know, our, our addictions and our, I'll just do whatever's. I mean, that's what we are. We're just sort of, you know, the surface of our potential without that accountability at, at a close distance.
2: Mm.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I gave a talk recently a couple of times this summer, at a few different conferences Called transformational intimacy, and in it I talk about the root. I'm such a nerd, by the way. This is (laughs) this is giving some insight into like my Uh my my persona. But uh, I started researching the etymology of intimacy and found that it comes from the Latin word "intimus," and that that actually "intimus" means innermost. Mm. And so, to your point, intimacy actually starts within us first. You know, before we can even hope to connect with anybody else, we have to have some form of internal exploration. And so that, that understanding of our identity, that understanding of what drives us and what compels us and what connects us and you know what, what makes us thrive and happy and fulfilled or sad or whatever it is, to be able to have that type of a closeness with ourselves first is important. But then the, the caveat, it sounds like, is not being so attached to that intimacy with ourselves that we're... Scared of or struggle with yeah. letting letting it go to a certain degree to actually allow somebody else to enter into that space.
1: Yeah. Well, what I love about doing intimate relationship work, both both in my own partnership, but working with couples, is because it's you know intimate relationships are the container within which we transcend our own separate sense of self. Mm. You know, the whole oneness that we, that we sing about in our pop songs and, and, and our poetry is all about being one. And, and that actually, you know, our, 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 so from the, from the childhood, you know, I consciousness, it's all about me and my survival. When we start to do intimate relationship, it's through tension with another saying, Hey, what about my eye? You know, you you only think of yourself all the time. You know, it's, what about you? You know, one of my one of the things that I just find the most fascinating when when people get upset and say you're so selfish, because what is that really coming from? But but saying, hey, I'm the one that should be get to be selfish here. We should be paying attention to me, never mind you, right? It's like two people kind of get into this sort of fascinating argument about who gets to be more selfish than the other, right? Mm-hmm that's evidence. I mean, that, that's a, a stage one kind of dynamic, but through that, through that tussle, we evolve into stage two, because after a while we get fucking tired of <laughs> those power dynamics, that power struggle, the manipulation, the coercion, the control, the, you know, you had talked about in your, in your TEDx talk about the, uh, you know, as, as, as boys were taught to dominate and control, right. Um, where women are taught to, generally taught to manipulate and and be dishonest in a different way. Deny what's really happening for you so that you keep him close, so mm. that you don't inconvenience him, right? I mean, we, we all conspire in this together to create relationships that maybe stay together, but we certainly don't enjoy them. You know, you hear the statistic that 50% of all relationships, of all marriages fail. And it's not that black and white, but you know, a lot of marriages fail. But what we don't hear is how actually happy are the ones who stay together?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We don't talk about that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We,
0: we focus in on what's not working versus well, what's (laughs)
1: clear, what can be measurably not working.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, that's what you're talking about. I love that because it's like the the concept behind positive psychology, right? Like the I can't remember what it is. I'm totally blanking on his name right now, even though I've read all of his books. But the guy that is considered like the grandfather of positive psychology, he basically said like, you know, psychology was set up for such a long time to get you from negative 10 to zero. And zero is like your normal right, operating right, space. Right, right, and so he's right. like, what about zero to plus 10? Yeah. You know, how do we like... Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, are we just, are we just yeah. in this to, to get us to like a, a mediocre state, to a normal yeah. state? And I think yeah. that sometimes we approach relationships like that. It's like, fuck that. What about,
1: what does plus eight, what does plus 10 look like in That's your right. relationship? That's right. And not, that, not just what does it mean to stay together? How do you keep it together? There are so many couples that are keeping it together, but they're miserable. Yeah. Maybe, maybe silently so, but it's not working and not, certainly not anything that I'd want to have for myself. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not thriving they may be surviving but they're not thriving and I think we have the, the luxury in this day and age to talk about and explore what does it really mean to thrive yeah in a relationship rather than just survive
0: Yeah I love that and you know one of the things that that I was curious to get your perspective on and, and something that I've seen is and I think we're starting to touch on it here throughout this process but you know the the challenges that some men have, in entering into a relationship, you know, and, and staying in a relationship. And, you know, i I think the more that I do men's work and the more that I work with men and, and work with, also work with mm-hmm. women who like are, are, you know, again, trying to find them, the more that I hear that story of like, where are all the good men that want to have relationships mm-hmm. or like all good men are in relationships. And it's such an interesting perspective and interesting dynamic because there's this stereotype that like men. Men don't want to be in relationships. Mm. And, I, and I think that's bogus. You know, yeah. like I, I really do. I think it's such a myth around mask, like, you know, healthy masculinity or healthy men that they don't want to be in a relationship. The men that I know, the men that I meet, the men that I work with and have talked to in any city around North America and in any country that I've been to want to be in, in a healthy loving relationship. They don't want to enter into a dysfunctional dynamic and they definitely don't want to stay single forever intentionally. There's a very small 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 percentage of people,
2: yeah. men
0: and women that that yeah. want to be alone forever and that's usually because of their wounds. So in your perspective, what are some of those pieces that maybe on the on the one side prevent men from stepping more fully into a relationship and into a healthy dynamic and being committed, because that seems to be, that seems to be like the trigger word, right? Like, like we got to give a trigger warning for committed.
1: Well, so one of the, the fundamental, <clears throat> one of the foundations that I, I base my work on is masculine and feminine dynamics. There's a lot of awareness being built in our, in our world now around how profoundly our, 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 kind of the, our, our masculine our preference in in the world we grow up in, our masculine preference has us reject feminine values, feminine, feminine expression, feminine being. And and if you just so one of my teachers, David Data, I'm sure you're familiar with his work, mm-hmm. you know, he taught me that masculine value is freedom. Mm-hmm. Which gosh, I mean, it just makes sense. I mean every battle cry on the planet is about freedom. Yeah. You know, everything from from brave hard freedom to, you know, our politicians, they do everything in the so-called name of freedom. Uh, business is about creating more freedom for yourself. Making money means you have more freedom. Um, you know, everything is, 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 is it's all about freedom mm-hmm. and that's the masculine value. Well, what about the feminine value of connection, right? What about that value? Mm. You know, that value we largely discard. And in fact, it's so discarded that when, when, you know, this is something that comes up in a lot of heterosexual relationships, I experience it. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's best um, I could, I'll tell a little story about a friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine who was having uh, marital problems. And uh, he'd been married for about 10 years and, and him and his wife, they were having some problems and they were, but they were sitting in their living room having a conversation and it's you know heated and they're they're trying to figure shit out and but they're getting upset and 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 his his wife says you know i just don't feel connected to you and my friend looks around he notices okay we're in the same room we're sitting on the same couch words are coming out of both our mouths like i'm here she's here and he just I don't think he says these words, but he certainly thinks them. What the fuck does that mean? You don't feel connected to me. What are you talking about?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I had a client ask me that too. What does it mean when she says she doesn't feel connected when we're literally holding hands?
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, and I'll tell you, I mean, even in my own relationship, it's usually my partner who is the... She's kind of the canary in the coal mine of, of how connected are we feeling? Like when she, she'll feel it before I won't. I mean, before, before I do that, there's a disconnected thing happening. She's you, you know, as men, it's, it's more like a, uh, you know, so long as no one's bleeding, nothing's on fire and we're not starving then we're good. Yeah. Everything's good. What do you mean? Not connected. That's not even a thing.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it's, so, it's, it's true. So, I think that initial confusion. I think a lot of us, yes, we we're excited to be in partnership with somebody. Again, it, it calls us into our mastery. You know, I think it, it, instinctively, all of us are in our in our deepest heart of hearts, where we want to know how to love. Mm. You know, if if you know Jim Carrey said it. You know, I hope everyone has gets an opportunity to be rich and famous, so you can learn that that ain't where it's at. Yeah, it doesn't work. You know, it was the same that happened to me a year and a half or almost two years ago where I had it all. And yet then the, the, the love that I had been waiting for for a long time was like, peace, peace, I'm oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ouch, what? <laughs> what? None of this shit matters if you're not part of it. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think learning us, us, you know, that resistance that we have, that, that stubborn kind of freedom value. And again, in stage one, it's all about my freedom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My freedom at all costs. You know, I hear this a lot. You know, men will put this on their dating profiles. This is the worst thing to put on your dating profile. I don't want no drama. That is the worst thing to put on it. I don't want no drama. No, because what you say, I don't want no drama is essentially saying, I don't want to experience real connection with anybody. I do not want to experience emotions. hmm. I do not want to embrace life in its fullness. I'm gonna just stay in my little box where it's safe and no one can hurt me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A little stress-free box, I call it. And if yeah. you, you fit outside of my stress-free box and I ain't gonna love you. You know, that's what life is that? But us men, until we you know, learn and, and this is what's so great about doing men's work. You know, what's one of the first things that in, in, in any men's group, what's one of the first things that we do? Like when we check in, when we all arrive, I, I haven't done any men's work with you specifically. So I don't, I don't know your experience, but in, the, in all of the men's work that I've done, one of the first things we always do is check in with our feelings.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What are we feeling? What are we showing up with today? Yeah. All right. Starting to reconnect, reconnect with our own feelings. You know, my partner said to me a long time ago, Brian, you are never going to be able to embrace my feelings if you can't embrace your own it was like, that was a mic drop moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of guys have the access point of anger for their, for their connectivity. But at the same time, anger has sort of been villainized in in the mainstream. And so a lot of guys hear these conflicting messages where they're like, okay, I need to get more in touch with my feelings, but anger seems to be the only thing that's socially acceptable, but I'm not supposed to Go right. down that route because yeah. that could be aggression. So,
2: yeah.
0: well, I'm screwed. So I'll just check out and play some video games, yeah. Yeah. smoke a joint, and <laughs> and porn. like peace out from the world. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, yeah. I have a saying that kind of like encapsulates what you're talking about, and I've, and I've and I'm not even too sure where this came from, or uh, yeah, I'm not even too sure where it came from. But I like to say that men. And we're talking about a you know heteronormative relationship, Mm -hmm. obviously. But Mm -hmm. men like to connect. Men connect physically, and women connect emotionally.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And so men often feel, and there's a lot of scientific research around this that show that men are more open to talking about emotional things right after sex Mm -hmm. because they actually that's when they feel they're most quote unquote connected to their partner. And women, there's a
1: biological basis for that too. Absolutely. Finish that. There's a hormonal basis for that too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then and then on the other side, women often feel the most connected when when there's an emotional connection.
2: Yeah.
0: And and so when we can start to translate those two things, and this doesn't mean that yeah. I'm just yeah, I'm just gonna clarify this for a second. This doesn't mean that you have to have sex with your man in order to get him to like listen to what you're saying. Although I'm sure yeah. that some of the guys on the podcast are like, please <laughs> <laughs> that would
1: really help.
0: That's the sage advice. Um yeah. but yeah, and so. You know, it's really interesting because I think that when guys do start to connect more on the emotional level and they start to tune into that feminine part of themselves that they may have been disconnected for, for so long and be able to communicate that piece, yeah. the it's this, I've noticed this interesting cause of an effect where their partners feel more connected emotionally and it leads to more physical connection yeah. because there is that there is that being on the same level. And maybe that's part of, do you feel like this is part of the, the segue into that sort of next stage of, of intimacy, that next stage of relationships? Like what are some of the other pieces of that?
1: Well, I think what, what, what has to happen to get out of that stage one codependence, like it's all about me, mm-hmm. and, and you only exist insofar as you piss me off or you please me, there is a, a, a recognition that, oh, okay, wait a second, you exist. You're actually, you, you your exist and you, your existence is valid. Mm. I respect your existence. You have wants and needs and desires that are, might be different than mine sometimes. And that's okay, right? And sometimes they will be at odds. Sometimes they'll be in conflict. And, and learning how to navigate that second stage just means that, okay, I'm not always going to get my way, mm. Right? This is where we start to talk about compromise and, and really learning how to juggle two very different worlds in, in two different human beings, right? That's the second stage, and that's essential to get out of codependence. But but the thing that is, is really important is, is it's not about abandoning yourself for the other, mm-hmm. right? And that's the thing, when, when people are afraid of losing themselves, it's... I don't want to give up what I want. I don't want to give up my needs. I don't want to give up my dreams and desires and what makes me feel good just to make someone else happy. And nor should you, that's not a recipe for success.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I think what you're talking about in a lot of ways are are agreements or boundaries in in relationships. And I think for, for a lot of guys, it's almost like, and I, I felt like this when I was, when I was younger, um, you know, when I hadn't stepped into this work, but it was almost like if I didn't get my way in a relationship, it was almost like I was failing as a man. It's yeah. not like, oh, I done something wrong or my partner yeah. has her own desires and wants and needs. It wasn't any of those things. It was like, I yeah. I'm not a man right now because I'm not getting my way. And I think that a lot of guys have that, Not a lot, but I think that some guys struggle with that, that it's like an attack on their masculinity or that they're somehow less than or not as worthy as they think that they should be when their partner is disagreeing or not sort of like, quote unquote, giving them what they want.
1: Or, Or even she's just upset. Yes. And I don't think she should be upset.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a, that's such a good one. Let's. Why are you upset right now? This is so ridiculous.
1: That's right. Just <laughs> if you're because if, if you're upset, and it sounds like it's my fault, and therefore, like you just said, that means I'm a bad. It must mean if I if I go along with your upset, then it means I'm a bad person or I'm a bad boyfriend, and I can't accept that.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: number one, I don't agree with your upset. Your logic is flawed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're making this shit up. Stop it. Right. And so again, we just, it just perpetuates though disconnect. Mm. Right. And, and, and I could share, you know, it, as we go through this here, I can share a tool for connecting and, 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 and specifically there are seven responses that we men and women also, but generally our, us men tend to offer whenever there's an upset that just perpetuate the upset despite our best intentions. But you're right. I mean that, that, we don't get our way, even if it's just our way, is, you know, I made it, I joked with my partner a while ago. She's like, you know, I said, maybe look, just always be, what do I say, delighted and thrilled. Just, just be delighted and thrilled, and everything will be great. That's all I ever want for you to be is delighted and thrilled 100% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's not entirely true, although, gosh, my brain goes, no, that would be amazing because <laughs> that would mean that everything's great. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to fix anything. I don't have to solve anything.
0: And then, and then I've done my job, right? I've done my job like, as a
1: good boyfriend.
0: I have, I have my mission, be a good <laughs> husband, be a good boyfriend. And if you're happy, I've fulfilled on that mission. I've,
1: I win. I win. Yeah. But that, and that's, but that's not life with an, any emotional person. Anyone who's connected to their emotions is going to feel all of them. Yeah. So, you know, as, as, as men, Again, we've been taught to dismiss our own emotions. Of course, we're going to dismiss, therefore, the worlds or just our partners, and yet we choose emotional people because it's you know that's that we're seeking balance, we're seeking wholeness, we we, we're seeking to reclaim that lost part of ourselves, and that's what makes us so crazy is because we don't realize we're choosing the very person who can help us heal,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. but we reject the offering. Because we don't get past the programming, we don't see past it, and that's why we, then we turn into the "I don't want no drama" guy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. miserable and frustrated and cynical, and you know we, we we live a shallow existence of of what's really possible for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, something that Vienna and I talked about on our podcast, and something that uh, I shared in in the talks that I gave was that when you reject intimacy, you invite abandonment. And and I think a lot of times, you know, I see guys struggling with that abandonment. You know, recreating, recreating this wound, whether you know they were abandoned by their father or you know he yeah. he wasn't around enough, or yeah. you know their mom their their mother worked two yeah. jobs to raise them. Like whatever the case is, that they they invite this sense of of feeling not enough because they push away the thing that they actually want most. Yeah, it's
1: it, it's we don't want to risk losing it again. Yeah. It hurt, like my dad left when I was four. It was one of the, it remained, look, it was one of the best things that happened just because of how it would play out later. But it's also the, probably the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my lifetime.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's still in my nervous system. It's risky to depend on somebody. And that's the challenge. So we, even in that second stage, there's I and there's you. It's kind of the, the you know, the motto of, sec, of that second stage relationship is, hey, I got me and you got you. That's how this is going to work. I don't need you and I don't want you to need me either. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be needed and I don't want you to need me either. Mm-hmm. You know, even women in their second stage independence, you know, they'll, they'll kick ass in the world. They you know, will, will be successful in their own businesses. They'll figure out how to take care of themselves. But then when it comes to a man, look, I am not going to depend on a man mm-hmm. because men don't show up, whatever the stories are. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's the reason women have really stepped into their independence because they've, they've been rewarded for their masculine drive as, you know, achievement as a kid, grades in school, kicking ass at sports, whatever. They've been rewarded for that. And they also have gotten the message that your feminine being is not valid here. It doesn't, has has no value. Mm -hmm. We all get those messages. So, you know, that second stage relationship, it's, it's, it, it's two independent people who neither really want to risk anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've I've seen a lot of you know really kick ass women struggle that that are you know might might be more energetically masculine or consider themselves to be more masculine with the mm-hmm. you know being very athletic and not that these are these are only masculine traits, but they consider themselves to be more masculine. Struggle with the messaging of "I don't need you."
2: Yeah.
0: And and it's almost like this rebuttal. And it's so interesting because there, there comes a time and place in, in their life where all of a sudden they start to have this crisis where it's like, I, yeah. I genuinely want a partner who I can love, yeah, but I don't want to need them yeah. in any way, shape or form. So can you, yeah. I, I'd love to get your perspective yeah. on this. What's your thought on needing somebody in a relationship?
1: I, oh man, I love this one. Okay, so again... <laughs> Notice where it comes from. When we were children, we needed our parents literally for survival. And in most and, and in some very important ways, our parents weren't able to be there for us. You know, even, even well intentioned fathers in, in, in our generation and generations past, those fathers were emotionally, many of them, not all, were emotionally absent. Yeah. Even if they were physically present. And a lot of them weren't even physically present, right? So we needed a father, or, or some masculine model of loving, and we didn't get it, right? Or the way that we got it was really harsh. Mm. And as we grow up, uh, and likewise, you know, the, the feminine nurturing that we needed, whether that came from a, a man or a woman, likewise, it, it oftentimes it comes to us, you know, with our parents, their own kinks and how they love, right? Their own weirdness and their own sort of you know their own wounds and flaws and how they they're loving so we grow up and as we mature we realize that shit sucked you know they had good intentions but damn my parents, you know i asked this of a group of like 37 men not long ago in a men's group 37 men i asked them how many of you felt like you were modeled by your father how to really show up for love in your life how to really talk how to really be a be a man with 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 a deeply connected to purpose right purpose that's a big one i asked thirty seven men that question one and a half raised their hands out of thirty seven men you know gay straight uh, black white uh, indian mexican i mean th- one and a half out of thirty seven men
0: hmm. yeah i mean it's it's interesting because i think that there's a lack of that Not mentorship. I I think that I think that as men, we often try and pass things down through the means of like, well, if I just model, if I just like am a role model in some way, shape, or form, but I never communicate it, then maybe that'll get the message across. But but even then, it's tough because there's so many absentee fathers in the world, and what a lot of guys are taught through their fathers' role modeling is oftentimes that the job is priority number one. That what you do in the world matters more than who you are yeah. as a father, that your job in the world matters more than who you are as a husband, and so that becomes the primary focus when we're really looking at our our parents through the lens. It's like that becomes the lesson that we
1: take from our dads and, and and in that masculine programming, men and women, boys and girls, were taught not to need anybody. yeah, do it on your own, you got to figure it out on your own, son yeah. You know, you need to be able to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know, you need to figure it out. Don't rely on handouts. Yeah. You know, don't ask for help. We don't see our fathers asking for help. You know, even as a, as a relationship coach, men only come to me because their, their partner either has already left them or they finally, they finally got it that she's leaving. It's crisis mode, right? <laughs> I, I totally
0: agree. I totally agree. I, I see a lot of guys come to us as well with the same thing. It's like it's crisis mode. Crisis it's like I mode. like I either I fix this in the next 3 days, like either we get this shit together or she's going to leave me.
2: Yeah. Or
0: like right. my job's going to fold or my company's going to break down. Right. It's like why wait till crisis? Why wait till rock bottom? How like how do we pre- How do we yeah. prevent that? Like what's the message if you could give a few guys that are out there that are like headed down the path of rock yeah. bottom and they kind of yeah. know it's coming. Yeah. What would you say to them to, to hopefully uh, yeah. have them choose differently than, than bottoming out?
1: Well, well I'll, I'll, and I'll tie it into the, this question of, of what does it mean to need, you know, mm. need in relationship or just need in general, so I, I think it's a, it's a healthy, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an important part of our evolution of, of individuating as, as humans that, you know, getting out from underneath our parents' shadow, learning to live our own lives, learning to be self-sufficient in most ways. Um, I mean, self-sufficiency in itself is a myth. I mean, I, 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 have, I have lighting in my room because somebody at the power company is providing it for me. You know, there's a whole infrastructure of life. I haven't, I haven't, I've never shot an animal and ate it in my life. I go to the grocery store. I mean, there's no such thing as a complete self-sufficiency. But you know, learning how to, yes, be with my own emotions, regulate my own emotions when I'm not getting what I want, learning how to be okay with that, learning to hear no, right? Learning how to honor my partner's no and be okay with that, not be needy in the sense that I need you to say yes in order for me to feel good about my life and myself like that's not healthy. So I think developing that independence and that's that stage two independence, honoring that my partner also has rights and they're valid and they you know, they have, they have their own needs and wants and all that, but I have mine and learning how to kind of self-care and self-regulate, but that's not the end of the story. And I would say to, to anybody, and this is where the third stage, this we consciousness really emerges Learning how to allow ourselves to depend on another, allow ourselves to express needs. That takes courage, real courage, because, you know, and I've seen this evolution in my own life where, yeah, not wanting to be a needy guy and also, you know, growing up with very kind of independent-minded parents that, you know, from the time I was four, in a way, I felt like i became an adult and had to kind of take, you know, single working mom, very busy mom, dad's now gone. You know, I kind of had to take care of myself in a way, emotionally, certainly. And for a lot of time, I wouldn't, I'd pretend I don't have needs in relationship. I don't, I don't, I don't need anything. I'm here. I'm good. Again, second stage. I got me, you got you, but I got me. Don't worry. Right. And it just, it didn't work. You know, every woman I partnered with Wanted to be needed, at least emotionally, in the same way that I've discovered, like I want to be needed by my partner. It's it's blissful. It's it's when my partner comes to me with a technical problem or she needs help in her business, as she's doing her building her her therapy and Instagram and all these all these things. I have so much experience that I can offer her. I love helping her with something that would have taken her 12 hours to figure out that I can do in four minutes. Mm. Like to be needed and to offer that. Right. And it's interesting because she too doesn't want to need me for these things. She doesn't want to burden me. Doesn't want to inconvenience me. And I'm like, stop it. You know, stop it. You, I have these skills. Let me offer them. And likewise, it's the same. Like, I don't want to burden her if I'm upset, if I'm angry, if something hurts, like I have that, that. I don't want to be needy, you know, stoicism, the males, the masculine, I could, you know, I don't need anything. I can just shut it down and, you know, man up and carry on. And and again, look, that may have its place. Like if the house is on fire, you know, we can't worry about what my feelings are about it. I got to fucking get our shit and get out. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to just a relational issues, if I'm upset about something, it serves neither of us for me to pretend that I'm not, or if I want something that I'm not getting and, 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 pretending that I I don't want it doesn't serve us. Again, having the capacity to to, to let it be okay that she says no is important, but allowing myself to feel the yearning, to feel that desire and then tell her the truth of it. You know, and this happens all the time because we're different people. We have different sensitivities. So allowing myself to really be honest about what I want when I, even when I'm upset, if I'm not getting it, while simultaneously reminding her over and over, it's okay if you say no. But I want you to know that it hurts. Yeah. You you are allowed to always say no. And at least right now, it hurts. I, I, I want something different. It's like, that's me allowing my neediness to come out without burdening her with actually having to do anything about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because oftentimes, you know, you're talking about communicating our needs and not wanting to see needy, not wanting to seem needy. But yeah. the the funny thing is, is that more often than not, needy people are the ones not communicating their needs. Right, the most needy people are the ones who are almost like they're manipulating situations. Right, they're constantly in contact. They're constantly like trying to get their needs met without actually asking for it. Right. That's like the classic nice guy things. Right. Why Definitely. are they, sure. why are they, why are they nice guys? Because they're just classically needy. Right. Well, and so, it, well,
1: I would say it's any, anyone in that kind of stage one mindset, whether, whether you're on the nurse, the full, the hero end, which is I, you've got to meet all my needs and I'll be loud and vocal and I'll complain right. loud and let you know, do it, do it, do it. Or on the other extreme, which is, I'm going to pretend I have no needs whatsoever. Yeah. Just completely zone out from my own needs. Yeah. I mean, it's the spectrum
0: yeah such a such an interesting such an interesting, interesting d- d- dynamic and so so where does that take us so you're you're talking about the third phase and like really having yeah. the the we dynamic and then it seems like you know there is a form of true freedom and independence that could be found in there, yeah still within that space of caring for yeah. the relationship of caring for for us that's right
1: well, even in the example that I just shared in my own experience, you know we See, that here's the, this is what's so beautiful about the third stage and why we resist it though, because we're so afraid from our independence. We're so afraid of going back to codependence mm. where we lose ourselves or, or, or we stay so rooted that our partner loses themselves because we don't give an inch. It's like, you know, that we don't want to go back to codependence. Nobody does. It sucks back there, right? But we don't realize so what happens, and so it's like we want to hold on to our independence. But stage three, this we consciousness. What I love about this dancing in this in this in this domain is you don't lose yourself. You know, we is built on you and I. Mm. You and I are inside of we. I don't lose myself, but here's what happens is See, I know, like in that example I shared, where let's say, you know, I want something. It could just be to, to go somewhere. and My partner doesn't want to go there, but it's really important to me that she goes. But for her, it's like, no, it's just that it just feels like a deep, it, it would be in some way hurtful for her to go there. If I'm not honest, if I just pretend that it doesn't matter to me or that, you know, okay, fine, you know, well, I'll take care of me, you take care of you, um, stay an eye in you, what happens is, yeah, we just, we live separate. We live disconnected. You have two separate individuals. We, we may live our own lives and we'll get through that moment, but there's no we consciousness in that. And, and, and what I mean by we consciousness is when I'm just telling the truth, again, I'm saying I honor your right to say no. And this, I'm fucking, I'm in pain right now. I just want you to know that I'm also in pain and I'm not telling you I'm in pain to manipulate you. I'm just being honest about my experience. And, and like it even, it can even occur like this for a while. Cause it's, 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 dialogue of, I so respect your right to say, no, I so honor your boundaries. I support you. Love you. You're fucking amazing. And I'm not going anywhere. You know, you have every right to say no. And it's fucking killing me right now. Mm. Like holding both of that. That's what relationship is. It's being able to hold both, not lose what's true for me, but not dismiss what's true for my partner. And, 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 and not, you know, living from we means I don't just serve my ego, but I also don't just serve yours. It's we, what would serve we, not just little old me or little old you. That's the other part of losing myself. Like I just, just have to do what she wants or do what she says. Not at all. In fact, that is one of the quickest ways to lose respect for yourself and for her to lose respect for you as a man is just doing whatever she says. She doesn't want to be
0: yeah I mean it's really interesting because I think what I hear you talking about is in a lot of ways from the masculine space what I call and I'm sure that this is not my verbiage but uh being the container you know creating the container for the feminine to show up in you know as yeah. the masculine of being the container and and really like I wrote an article called
1: even if it's showing up in me
0: exactly exactly i wrote this i wrote this article called uh WTF is holding space. Like what the fuck is holding space? Mm-hmm. Because I hear so many people talk about holding space and what that actually means. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you just aptly described it. It's this ability yeah. to witness our That's own right. experience while yeah. simultaneously being able to hold space for somebody else's. It's being That's able right. to witness yeah. in that moment what we want and our, you know, our pain or frustration or anger around it whilst, while simultaneously being like, it's okay for you to still say no.
1: That's right. Absolutely. In fact, one of the, one of the practices that I, I work with myself and I work with uh, many of my clients is something I called uh, anger yoga mm. or, or emotion yoga. And that is, it's a way of expressing our, our upset expressing, or, or what, again, for, for men, it tends to be anger first, like you very aptly pointed out. Um, but, and for women, it, a lot of times it's just emotion in general. But it being able to create a container for us to feel our emotions, feel our anger without creating more damage by it. Because usually we take that anger and we direct it at something, we usually our partner, or we direct it inward at ourselves and mm. self-destruct. We need a container to express it, to witness it, to, to give it space. You know, whether that's sometimes I'll go out on a hike. I live in these beautiful hills and I'll go out on a hike. And usually at nighttime when no one else is out there. Cause I will, I will, I will murder, you know, through, I will just like, I will spend 30 minutes. If you were to listen to my dialogue, you'd you'd, sound, you'd think I'm killing someone <laughs> on that hike. But it's just, you know, it's an angry yoga practice. No one's actually getting hurt. No, there's nobody, there's no one with me. I'm alone. I'm just, you know, I'm kicking the dirt. I'm fucking yelling to this. I'm screaming to the sky. You know, I'm just woof. You know, and that's my anger yoga practice, which allows me to then come back to my relationship or back to my life and be invigorated. You know, I've moved energy through me, but now I can be present. Mm. I mean, that's, a, it's a, that's been a transformational practice for me. That's, that's saved relationships mm. because when I express anger directly at someone, I, I, off, I have ruined relationships.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And being able to find a way to express, and I think this is such a good point. We've landed on such a great, great place here is how do we communicate anger within relationships you know mm-hmm. i think that that's something that a lot of guys struggle with whether it's you know uh, expressing too much or not expressing enough yes. because the the answer is not not expressing anger at all because right. that's not what our partner wants because that doesn't feel safe either that feels mm-hmm. like a that feels like a facade yeah. you know it feels such a fake and so the ability to go and let loose, you know, the vent a little bit, and then be able to, in a healthy way, in a, in a, in a positive dynamic, express some of that hurt and anger, I think is really positive.
1: You know, it's, the, it's actually really sexy when a man expresses his full on emotions, but he does so in a way that is not directed at, let's say, let's just say, you know, his partner. Yeah, you did he, this. You did this. You fucking did this. I'm angry at you. 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 And all the energy coming at like that's terrifying. Yeah, that's just terrifying. But when a man and you know, I've I've done this a few times where, you know, I'll I'll, um, you know, I'll I've punched the floor. I've gotten angry, but I'm simultaneously (laughs) like acknowledging that this isn't your fault, to my partner. You didn't do this to me, but I'm feeling this right now. Like you know, I've literally said those words, and that's a practice that she and I have. It's a way of acknowledging. Uh, of sort of, you know, taking out the neediness, like, I need you to fix this, I need you to do something different, I need you, like, that's where we all go, fuck that, you know, because then we don't feel free, like, I I can't, I can't fix you, I can't even fucking save myself, you want me to save you? I don't even know how to manage my own experience, I gotta manage yours, you know, so it's like, as we evolve, and we really learn that's in that second stage to take care of ourselves, that's where neediness kind of settles. Mm. But in the third stage, we again, allow ourselves to depend on to Cause when I'm upset and I'm in like life has me, it's beautiful to be able to come to my partner. Even if it's, even if she's the one that triggered it, maybe she said something or did something that triggered it. It's so powerful for me to just be able to say, I'm fucking angry and vice versa for mm. her to say, I'm hurt. This really hurt while simultaneously telling me, Hey, this isn't your fault you didn't do this to me. It may have triggered, but I want you to know this isn't, you don't have to do anything different. You're not a bad person. You didn't do anything wrong. I mean, these are language we actually will use to help settle the like, Oh God, I have to do something. I have to fix you. I have to save you. I have to be different for you. Like we'll use language that actually helps settle that, that fear, that resistance, that, that that our own, you know, kind of knee jerk. Oh shit. I'm, I'm a disappointment to you. Like, because once we settle that, then we can just the emotions can be there. Whatever is in the space, we can be there and we can play with it, and it actually can enhance intimacy. It, it creates a really beautiful, connected experience. Mm. We connect, you know, emotionally even in our bodies. Oxytocin, you said earlier, men connect through touch. It's and women, you know, because when when we touched, we were we actually oxytocin gets released in our bodies.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, as men. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing is that on that note, it's- you know, a lot of research has been done that shows that men, men actually don't release that until there's a a 20 second consistent amount of touch. And and so oftentimes what's happening is guys are getting like that, you know how they do, like how, how we do sometimes it's like side handshake and the quick pat on the back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that doesn't like, doesn't register in our bodies. Right.
1: That's interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so like a lot of the times that's why, you know, like we need this more like consistent, uh, touch in our lives, and that's why a lot of guys will crave a more like intimate sexual connection. Oftentimes, yeah. because they're actually lacking, their bodies experiencing this almost like lack and severe withdrawal of of true physical touch on a consistent basis.
1: Well, that's interesting. And if we touch each other too long. Like, it's like, we're only allowed to feel that in the sexual context. And right. If, and if we're touching someone where it's not supposed to be sexual, whether it's another man or, or even like, it, it's awkward because we can't go there. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah exactly. Makes sense. So, um, so we're going to start wrapping
0: up. Yeah. We, do, we don't actually have six hours, unfortunately, uh, bummer. Uh, or, or a whole week, but we do have to start wrapping up. And so yes. I just want to get your insight on 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 really quickly boundaries. I know this is something that you yeah. talk about. You've yeah. got a whole course on it for yeah. for couples and individuals. Yeah. And um if you could just shed a little yeah. bit of light of how yeah. maybe like the high level, yeah. how yeah. do people set effective boundaries in their relationship?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well yeah the name of the program is is boundaries. Relationships suck without them. <laughs> <laughs> like just bottom line relationships suck without boundaries. Um, you know, boundaries, you know, Brene Brown put it very simply. It's boundaries are basically what is okay and what is not okay. And the way that I frame it in the program and and it is is it's the difference between a request and a requirement. And this is where we really got to get clear with ourselves. What are just the things that are nice to have, you know, in a relationship, things that we would like to experience, but you know, we're not gonna leave the relationship if we don't get them. You know, maybe your partner is really messy and you don't like messy. And, but you're not going to end the relationship. It might be a request that we keep the place cleaner or, or whatever. But requirements are non-negotiables. Like I am not going to be in this relationship if if there's if we're if we're going to name call each other during arguments. That's for some, for many people, not everyone, but for some, for many, that's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Because when I, because what happens when I get called names? then I can't, I just can't, I can't show up anymore in the conversation. My dad called me names. This isn't my experience, but I'm just saying like, you know, this, I I just, I fall, it's my wound. I fall apart. I I can't be here. I'm not, I don't feel safe when this is happening, right? So requirements, boundaries, they create safety. When we don't feel safe, then we put up fuck you walls, right? Boundaries are just the, the, the container within which I feel safe and I can really show up. If we don't have those, then we put up our fuck you walls and that's where war begins. Mm. So, you know, that, that, that's a whole program. I think you and uh, Vienna talked about boundaries in your podcast as well because it's yeah. that it, that's the work of stage two, creating boundaries. And you cannot create a stage three relationship. You cannot have an interdependence experience without boundaries. Mm. It, you just can't. You, what happens is you, you go back to codependence without boundaries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, listen. I think that's obviously that's some solid insight, and I just have loved having you on the podcast. Thanks so much for the work that you're doing. Thanks, um, man. It's been great. Yeah, thank you so appreciate much. It was, it. it was good to finally jam. I feel like, uh, yeah, I felt like that was like a jam session
1: you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, my and my partner Sylvie, she was really excited for us to to do this as well. She's been following your work, and I so appreciate what you're doing. work awesome. really taking on the you know the the the, the man world i've resisted that myself as a former air force officer and i was in a fraternity like i really witnessed a lot of that dark masculine being and it's like you know so i've been called more and more to it myself but i resist it because of my own wounds and so it takes a lot of courage to to take this on full on man so you know i really so appreciate what you're doing as well
0: thanks man i appreciate that you definitely have to have a certain level of thick skin, or just like <laughs> naivete, you know. Like there's a, there's, a, there's both. There's there's a little bit of both in there when you see the the YouTube yeah. comments, or uh, you know, sure. whatever whatever shows up. When you're just well, like,
1: whew. when that bully sucker punched you, and and you know, when you sang the anthem that day, and I mean, that's, you know, that's. Prepared you for a lifetime of it. There you go. There you
0: go. I was like, I was prepped. I had the, I had the abs after that.
1: And you you overcame and you sang. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Awesome, brother. Well, thanks so much for joining me on the Man Talks podcast. For everybody else out there listening, uh, I definitely invite you to head on over to Brian's site. Uh, His, his site's going to be in the show notes, but it's Brian Reeves, double E V E S. Brian with a Y. I'm Brian with a Y. Thank you. I could comment. Uh, BrianReeves.com. He's got a great book out as well. So if you wanted to check that out, it's called Tell the Truth, Let the Peace Fall Where It May. Uh, You can get that on Amazon or through his site. Check out the Boundaries course. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Join me again next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring
2: individual.